0: The, the Gospel for the sixth Sunday of, after Easter spoke about the gift of the Holy Spirit and that the Spirit would guide and lead them and teach them all that he had taught them, remind them of all that he had taught them. I just think it's a, a phrase that I've often used when someone will basically say, if it's not in the Bible, it must not be true. And my response is, wait, what did Jesus say he would send us? Did he say he would send us a book? Or did he say he would send us the Holy Spirit? He sent us the Holy Spirit to be a source of wisdom and of guidance through the years. And even through that spirit, that we come to understand what the scripture is. Without the spirit, we cannot truly understand the truth within the scripture. It is that spirit that helps us understand and know that. Um, So anyway, the, the gift was the Holy Spirit. And through the Holy Spirit, the scriptures were written under its guidance. And without the spirit, the scriptures would not have been written. They are written, at least the New Testament, after Christ had died and had risen. They only written many years, probably about 50 and 60 years after Christ rose from the dead, ascended into heaven. And so those scriptures are flowing out of the gift of the Spirit in guiding and leading the church. They don't come before the Spirit, they come through the Spirit. And even the church itself comes before the scripture. Uh, The scriptures would not have been formed that there was not a community of faith that wanted to write down the story, the memories that they had experienced, and to account, recount some of the deeds that Jesus had worked. Not all of them, but a good number of them. That the clearest identity awareness we have of Jesus is through the gospel writers who shared that story, but it wasn't their individual story, it was the story of the community of faith. And it was that community that passed them on to us. It says, these are the authentic scriptures. These are that which we know to be true. And some claim to have written other gospels, but the community never embraced them, never acknowledged them, because they did not come from the community of faith. They came from other sources and other groups who are trying to sell a different gospel, a different message. And not the gospel of Christ. So the church and the Spirit come before the gospels. The gospels come out of the community of the church, guided and directed by the Spirit. So that's what I wanted to draw from that sixth Sunday. Um, when I was time, when I'm spending time with the seventh Sunday of uh, the, the gospel it is like I can't say this better than it's already been said there's no way that I could say this better and so I want to emphasize it but really what I want all of you to do is to take this gospel from reading of John John 17 verses 20 to 26 I want you to take this Gospel and spend some time not only reading it, but read it until you believe it. Read it until you can actually accept and embrace what this Gospel is saying. Like in the very beginning, Jesus says, Holy Father, I pray not only for them, that means his apostles in that community, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. We believe because through their word that is passed on, their word that we have heard, that word that we recognize is true, because that's who he is praying for. He's saying, I pray for those who will believe in me through their word. Can you really embrace that Christ is praying for each one of us? He is praying for each of you, and not only then, but even now, he intercedes for us at the right hand of the Father. Read that until you truly believe it is for you that he is praying. Not just somebody else a long time ago, but you. And that they may all may be one who said that they all may be one. When I heard that I wasn't just thinking of the present but that we all are one. All of those who believe in him are one and united in that faith. We are one with all the generations all uh, the apostles the uh, fathers of the church all the martyrs that lived and all the people who have lived this gospel and embraced this gospel and made it a life that was revealing the love of Christ in the world, that we are one with them. We are called to be one with them. That's the oneness he wanted, not just a oneness of a small community of faith, even not just a oneness of the community of faith at this time, but a oneness of all those generations and all those centuries united together in him, the whole body of Christ, that union with him, that is with whom we are called to be one. But we're called to be one in such a way that we are going to be one as the Father is in him and he is in the Father. Can you think of the unity the Father and the Son have with one another? The bond of unity, the bond of love that they share with one another, That is the oneness Christ is saying he wants us to have with each other, that the world may believe that you sent me. And all of that is the purpose for that oneness, the bond of love that is able to be seen in the world, that the love of Christ is shown in the world. So this is what will make people believe and draw people into believing in me. Without that love present among us and the unity present among us and the oneness, how can people believe when they see a community or a, a faith divided into so many different communities and fragment fragmentation, but that they be one? There is a oneness there and it's that oneness that helps them believe that the Father has sent Christ. Okay so that they may be one as we are are one, I in them and you in me. Do you think of the oneness that Christ desires to be one in us as he is one in the Father? That's the oneness for which he is praying, that they love them even as you loved me. Do we accept that? that the Father loves us even as the Father loved him, not with a different love, but the same love with which the Father has loved him, that you love them, that's us, that them, as you have loved me. Father, they are your gift to me. Think of that. You, each one of us, are the gift that the Father has given to him. He sees us as a gift given to him by the Father. Do you ever think of yourself as a gift that the Father has given to Jesus himself? You are the gift the Father's given to him because of his love for the Father because he's willing to say yes to the Father. We are the gift that the Father has won for us and given a gift, the gift of us to his Son. Um, I wish that where I am, they also may be with me. You know, who do you want to be with you? Those that you really love and care for, those who are close to you, that's who you want to be with you. And he's saying, I wish that where I am, they also may be with me. That he wants, you, wants each of us to be with him. Can you accept that? Can you embrace that? Can you allow yourself to truly accept that Jesus really wants you to? To be with him okay I have made known to them your name and I will make it known that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them the love with which you loved me may be in them and I may be in them he wants to make his dwelling place within us he wants to dwell within us and he wants us to know that the same love with which the Father has loved him is the same love which he loves us. Now how could I <laughs> how could I improve on that? Just take this gospel if you would and allow yourself to really hear it line by line by line but hear it not appear in your head, but hear it in the very depth of your heart. That's why this is the good news. When we speak of the gospel as the good news, this is the good news. (laughs) The good news is the love of Christ, that he has shown to us the love of the Father, and that he loves us just as the Father has loved him. I just want you to take that and try to allow that to sink as profoundly and as deeply within you, and then you understand what the gospel is about. Then you understand why we say it's the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ. God bless.